0: This episode is brought to you in part by Max BMW Motorcycles that's been outfitting adventure riders since 2002. They've got 45,000 parts and accessories available online and ready to ship to your door at maxbmw.com. And you can also sign up for their e-rider newsletter. It's free and I highly recommend it. That's www.maxbmw.com. You ever been riding along and all of a sudden the road turns to a soft quagmire of mud and there's ruts to go through? Or maybe it was mud and now the ruts are dry and they're fairly deep and you've got to ride through them. It tends to be a rather daunting situation, and many riders will actually turn around at that point and say, forget it, I don't want to do it. Well, it doesn't have to be like that. You can learn how to ride through the ruts with confidence and actually make them enjoyable. Today on our Rider Skills segment, we've got Coach Ramey Stroud back again, and he's going to teach us how to ride ruts and make it fun. You don't have to be an off-road rider, by the way, or an adventure rider to take advantage of these techniques because you deal with the same sorts of things when you're on the road. If you go through a construction zone, they take you off the pavement, into the dirt, and back onto the pavement just going up and over that edge is just like dealing with the edge of a rut and same as when you pull off the side of a road you'll notice many roads are like that where the asphalt is fairly thick you go off the asphalt and into the gravel and then when you have to go back on you've got to deal with that lip again all that will be taken care of today and you should come out of it grinning smiling and having fun my name is jim martin this is adventure rider radio stay with us we got a good one for you
1: Sam Manicom, Nick Sanders, Terry Borden, Sandy Borden, Jack
0: Borden, Graham Field, Austin Vince, Jason Spaffer, Lisa Murray, David Peterson, Rachel Edmarsh, Ed Len Edstead, Dr. Gregory W. Crazy Lee Barr, Michelle Lamphere, Tiffany Coates, Herbert so Schwartz, Zoe Cano,
1: Nathan Millward, Len <laughs> Hoskins, Joe Ross, Jeremy Krieger, Simon Thomas,
0: Lisa Thomas,
1: Simon Lady, Rand Johnson, Robert Wicks, Ed Simon, Elizabeth Martin, Carol DeBell, and you're listening to Adventure Rider Radio.
0: Best Rest Products is home of the Cycle Pump tire inflator, tire and bead breaker, easier tire gauge, and other adventure motorcycle gear. The Cycle Pump runs right off your bike's electrical system. It'll inflate your flat tire in less than three minutes. It's made in the USA, and it comes with a lifetime warranty. And Motorcycle Consumer News Magazine just chose the Cycle Pump as their top pick in a compressor shakedown. Also, Best Rest is a North American distributor for Googletech filters, the filters that should be on your bike. Visit them at www.cyclepump.com. That's www.cyclepump.com. Green Chili Adventure Gear offers American made, heavy duty, innovative luggage systems for all types of motorcycles. Turn any bag into motorcycle luggage with this unique strapping system that's easy to use and switch from one bike to another. And of course, Green Chili Adventure Gear is all tested in extreme weather and terrain to withstand the abuse of adventure riding, which has gained them a top reputation for tough, reliable gear. www.greenchiliadv.com. That's www.greenchiliadv.com. And now for our Adventure Rider Radio exclusive rider skills segment, where we talk ideas and concepts and methods that can help you improve your riding skills. And of course, this segment is not meant to be a substitute for professional training or an endorsement of any particular technique. These are ideas and concepts that if you choose to try are clearly performed at your own risk. okay honestly now do ruts stress you out when you see those deep ruts ahead and they stretch on for as long as you can see or maybe maybe it's just going through a puddle does it stress you out does a hair stand up on the back of your neck do you want to spin the bike around and say forget it do you want to sit down on the seat and paddle your way through It, it doesn't have to be this stressful honestly according to coach ramey we're going to enjoy it after this so sit back and enjoy and then get out there and ride some ruts here's coach ramey stroud for our exclusive rider skills on adventure rider radio
1: Coach Ramey, welcome back. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate the uh, opportunity to talk about uh, one of my favorite subjects, ruts. Is it getting stuck in a rut? <laughs> I, I couldn't help with that one. Yeah, you know, working 10, 12 hours a day, having dinner, going to bed and getting up the next day and doing it again. No, <laughs> no, no, not that kind. Uh, ruts on a bike. <laughs> Ruts are terrifying. They really are to a
0: lot of people. You, you, I'll give you the example that, that I often come across is that dried mud. You, you get vehicles go through and they'll have, you know, three, four, five inch, six inch tracks of mud. And, and it's dried, it's hardened, or it might be even a little bit slippery, which, which is even worse.
1: Um, but getting stuck in that rut and then just dealing with it. Oh, for sure. Uh, we see that a lot down in South America, uh, you know, where a lot of the roads are, are not uh, uh, tarmac. And, uh, you know, then when it rains and the trucks and the cars uh, go on through, uh, they leave their, their marks. And then uh, when the rain passes and the sun comes out and they dry hard like cement. So it, it gets a little rough sometimes to be able to travel like Ruta uh, Cuarenta or places like that. But uh, the reality is that uh, there are a few little tricks that'll help. So let's get into them today. Are there
0: different kinds of ruts? I mean, do you handle ruts differently, or do you sort of approach them all the same?
1: Well, um, I think to be a good off-pavement rider, you need to be a bit of a geologist. And the idea is uh, there's a lot of things that you're looking for in the terrain. But along with that, as a lot of things about your bike and, well, just a bunch of other things. Like, for example, the, there's basically two kinds of ruts. Ah, uh, one is caused by erosion, uh, which the scientists will call alluvial action. And that's where water is uh, just traveling downhill and taking with it sediment. The other thing that, uh, that we'll often see are channels that are made by wheels like we were just talking about. And the real key to there is to figure out what kind of wheel made the rut. For example, a single track, uh, motorcycle rut versus a two-track, uh, either a quad or um, a vehicle of some kind. And then um, how far apart are those ruts? Uh, because it'll kind of change the way you ride. The other thing is, um, well, I'm going to go up on my soapbox here for a minute. One, one of the biggest reasons that bikes get banned off public lands is that riders will roost the sides of hills. And, uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun to be spraying dirt and all of that, but the reality of it is it creates a rut, which sets up that alluvial action and then causes uh, hillside or erosion damage, uh, which drives the environmentalists and government agencies crazy. So, you know, if you could be just a little bit easier on the throttle, you might uh, not quite have so many people objecting to motorcycles out in the public lands. Anyway,
0: Yeah. No, that's a, that's a very good point. The whole tread lightly thing. I mean, and I guess it's not, it's probably not something that, uh, people do on larger adventure bikes, certainly the small ones. And and you get into, well, dirt bikes, Uh, dirt bikes are just fun to do that on. So you've got to pick your spot and there are spots where you can go and do it. And and by all means. Yeah, Absolutely. Hmm. That's well worth saying. Now you mentioned about the ruts there, about um, about water erosion ruts and sort of man made ruts. I would call them. Yes, the man made ruts are much more difficult, aren't they? Because of that defined pattern that the tire makes, the sharp edges.
1: Well, not necessarily because an, an erosion rut or a hillside rut isn't necessarily straight like a vehicle. So you may be uh, you know going up or down a hillside and fall down into a rut or choose to drive into the rut and. Uh, not only are you dealing with the rut and the sidewalls, but you're also dealing with turns, hmm. and um, we'll we'll get into that in a little bit. So every rut's got its own characteristics, and you got to learn to kind of read the rut in advance because it'll give you a lot of information about you know what you can do to uh, use that rut to your advantage, and and I say that uh, you know with a straight face, ruts are not just something you got to deal with. Uh, ruts can be a real tool in your toolbox for example let's say you're going up a a hill and um, you know you're having some traction problems on the flat Uh, there are times where you'll purposely want to get down into the rut because the rut will help grab the sidewalls of your knobby tires and give you a little better traction as you're going up over the hill so uh, you know ruts are sometimes kind of scary but sometimes they're a really good thing to have too uh, some of the other things we want to think about, uh, you know, obviously, is what kind of bike are we riding? I mean, a, a dirt bike with knobbies is going to handle and perform a lot differently than an adventure bike with panniers uh, and maybe even two up. So, um, uh, you know, what we're riding and what kind of tires we've got aboard uh, are going to have a, a difference on some of the different techniques that we're going to be talking about. The other thing is ground clearance. You know, what sort of ground clearance does this particular bike have? And um, quite frankly, I've seen a lot of adventure bikes where basically they were street bikes that were loaded with gear and traveling the world. So they have low exhaust pipes. Um, so that's an, an issue. Or perhaps a BMW opposed twin where the cylinders are sticking out to the side. Um, I mean, all these are factors you got to take into consideration when you start picking the technique you're going to use in um, in any given situation yeah probably for this conversation i think we
0: should probably define what ruts we'll talk about because we're not not dealing with the really deep ruts on average that's more of a uh, more something you're going to find off-road i think most of the ruts that the average rider is going to run into are those ruts that we find on the mud roads the the two tracks that are what would you say up to six inches deep
1: um, yeah, or perhaps a little deeper. Um, you know, if we're talking about, uh, well, like that South America example, some of the lorries, uh, the trucks, are really heavily loaded, and so you'll see three overlapping ruts, uh, two from the front wheels, you know, side by side, and then four in the back for the dual wheels. And so, I mean, there's sometimes kind of a mess that you're dealing with, and. Uh, I've got one really great picture i'll I'll send you to post on the web page uh, of exactly that where it was all cut into the soft ground after a rain and then dried like cement. And I mean that was one of the hardest roads I ever rode. Anyway, uh, let's get back to the ruts and, uh, and what they are and and some of the things to think about. Have you ever thought about what time of day it is? Mm, you mean for lighting? Sure. Uh, a lot of times, in the, in the when the sun's right overhead and you're in a in an open desert or pampa uh, environment, uh, you'll almost get a whiteout because there's no shadows, and so it's sometimes very hard to define where the side walls of the ruts are. Um, conversely, there's uh, you know some real long shadows early in the morning or late in the evening, and sometimes uh, the ruts will get. Uh, kind of camouflaged in the long shadows of the sunset or sunrise. So, you know, being able to see the ruts are a big deal. Uh, w- once you see them, you know, what are you looking for? First of all, uh, what's in the bottom of the rut? Uh, a lot of the times they're um, just, you know, the same material or uh, ground that's on the top of the rut. But a lot of times um, rocks will fall down in the bottom of the rut. So uh, you'll be riding along and you're doing pretty good in the bottom of the rut. And then all of a sudden, bam! You know, because there's a rock down there that you didn't notice or that was covered with what we here in the United States call uh, silt. uh, But in other countries, it's called fesh-fesh. It's kind of like a talcum powder sand, you know, real puffy kind of thing that, you know, clogs up your air filter real fast. Well, that silt or fesh-fesh a lot of times will lay down in the bottom of the rut and kind of settle so it looks flat. But then when your tire starts plowing through it, that's when you find the ruts or ruts in ruts. So uh, you need to kind of scout out what you're going to be riding in before you get going. Another thing that we look at is, uh, you know, what's the consistency of the dirt? Is it more sand-like or is it a decomposed granite that's going to pack really hard? Uh, how deep is the rut? I mean, am I going to have to worry about dragging my foot pegs or my foot levers or my engine cases uh, and things like that or my toes. Uh, So we learn to read the ruts before we get into them. And if you got to stop and take a break and just kind of check it out, there's absolutely nothing wrong with doing that. Sorry, I had to shake my dog because she's snoring. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, come on, Stroud, pick up the pace here. (laughs) It's pretty bad when I put the dog to sleep.
0: (laughs) Well, I think it doesn't take much to put her to sleep. but Uh, Okay, so um, just as far as talking concepts now, how do we deal with ruts? I mean, what's the general concept behind it, and how is it affecting the bike?
1: Well, if you'll think about ruts, kind of like riding in sand. You know uh, how the bars tend to wobble back and forth a little bit? And if you stiffen up and really grab the bars and try to keep them straight, sand becomes a real workload. Uh, Ruts are kind of the same way. And an example that I'll often use is, uh, you know, if you're crossing a bridge that has a metal grate on it, uh, like... um, here in, in Oregon, uh, there's a bridge called the Bridge of the Gods that goes across the Columbia River into Washington. And it's, it's a big bridge, and it's long. And, you know, it's, it's just like riding in sand. Uh, the wheel will kind of – the front wheel will go over to the left a little bit, and it'll hit one of the metal guides. And then it'll kind of drift back over to the right, and it's going left and right all the way across the bridge. Well, if you just relax a little bit and keep your hands soft, you know, it's a nice ride. You can look down at the river and not worry about the bike. But if you're stiff on the handlebars and you're grabbing the grips just trying to keep that wheel absolutely straight, um, you know, it's a very nerve-wracking uh, bridge crossing. So sand is kind of the same way and ruts are exactly the same way. And the reason for that is that when you're down in the rut, the side walls of the tires are kind of going back and forth between the left and the right side of the ruts. Now, the exception to that would be an erosion rut that's shaped like a V, and that V will keep the tire pretty straight. But then the tire goes where the V goes, and if you're not loose, um, you'll tend to fight. You'll tend to either pop up against the rut or fall over so the real key to ruts is to relax and to try to keep your hands as soft as possible
0: what about um, your speed are we looking to speed up slow down are we crawling through the ruts
1: well the speed's going to be variable based on the uh, bike that you're riding the situation you're in and the kind of rut you're, you're trying to handle for example in motocross obviously we want just as much speed as we can carry so we're treating a rut sort of like a berm and we're trying to rail it just as fast as we can go. On the other hand, an adventure bike is more about just, you know, keep traveling, keep moving. And so uh, we're not traveling as fast. Uh, you really don't want to coast in a rut of any kind. You need to be under power. And uh, the reason for that is that you need that pull power to – Deal with the sidewalls of the tire dragging against the side of the rut a little bit. Uh, It's kind of like a parasitic drag. Um, The kind of power you want is smooth and steady. And um, let that, you know, the rut and the kind of bike you're riding control your speed. Uh, Oftentimes, in a really rough situation on a heavy bike, we'll bring the throttle up and hold it at a given RPM and then use the clutch in the friction zone, or left hand speed control as I call it, um, to control the speed through the rut. Uh, That does two things, one, uh, it keeps torque on at all times, uh, torques at low speed rotational pulling power the engine makes. The other thing is it spins the flywheels up and gives you something called gyroscopic precession which tends to stabilize the motorcycle and makes it a lot easier to keep it upright, especially with bags or a passenger. So if you can bring the RPMs up into the torque range and then control your speed through the rut with your left hand, um, then you're doing a pretty good job of stabilizing the bike and pulling the the bike through the rut. Now, if it turns out to be a long, 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 long rut, you're not going to be in the friction zone all the time. You're basically only using it when you're in a curve, or the rut does something funny, uh, and the, the long straight rut, the clutch is all the way out. But you still got to be up into that torque range to to have that pulling power. Now, when it comes to slipping the clutch, um,
0: most bikes have a wet clutch setup, and that's what allows us to be able to do it without burning the clutch up.
1: Yeah, with uh, the older BMWs that have a Single plate dry clutch. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask uh, you about. What about those people who are riding those? Yeah, uh, we'd use a different technique there. Uh, the The reason for friction zone is you're trying to not uh, convey uh, all of the power from the engine to the rear wheel because your ground speed gets too fast. You need to get the RPMs up to create that torque and that pulling power, but... You know, it's it just going too fast, so you slip the clutch to control ground speed. Well, on the single-plate dry clutches, instead of slipping the clutch, we would drag the rear brake just a little bit. Um, that loads the engine, uh, which tends to control your ground speed, but still allows you to make that torque. Uh, now, to, to drag your rear brake and to do it smoothly and precisely – Uh, you need to have pretty good lower body mechanics. Uh, You need to be pretty comfortable on the bike. If you're being thrown all over the place and your right foot's going up and down, then the bike's going to be shooting forward and slowing down. So you really need to practice that lower body control and connection with the bike before you start thinking about dragging the rear brake. And I might add, it's a hell of a lot faster and cheaper to change rear brake pads than it is clutch plates. Yeah, definitely. You know, that's something I've
0: dragged over, dare I use the pun, from my four-wheeling days, where what we would do is if you get up against um, an obstacle, let's say, for instance, you're going up over a rock or a log, in particular with an automatic transmission, but standard as well, um, you load it up to try and get over this, and the engine builds up energy, and it's all stored, in the drivetrain As everything starts to twist up, and then all of a sudden, when it finally gets to the point where it'll overcome things, it pops up and over. But at that point, now you've got way too much throttle on. So the excess throttle now rockets you over it, then inevitably you jump on the brakes, slamming down all the compression uh, is absorbed with the suspension and slamming the vehicle down hard, potentially on the obstacle that you just went over. So the way to avoid that I found was to use the gas and the brake. You load up the gas and then you also load up the brake. And that way when it finally lets go, so to speak, it doesn't lurch forward because your, your brakes are controlling how much um, energy you're releasing. So it makes a a much more controlled ride. And that's something I've dragged over to motorcycling for me. Sometimes when I do a a tight turn, a slow speed tight turn, I'll lightly drag the brake um, as I go around just to to help with control, depending on the the terrain that I'm going over. Is that still considered an acceptable uh, riding technique?
1: Oh, absolutely. The the problem is that most of our dads taught us uh, you're either on the brake or you're off, you know, and you're on the gas or you're off. And clutch for uh, sure. Yeah, uh, don't slip the clutch, Uh, heaven forbid. Mm -hmm. But uh, in motocross, uh, we do something called an overlap turn. And, you know, you've seen this uh, anytime you watch a motocross race where the riders will come into a turn standing and then on turn entry they'll go into a seated position and uh, they're still on the brake. And then somewhere towards the apex of the turn they'll go onto the gas and then pull through the turn under power. Well, what you don't see is that there's a phase around the apex of the turn where you're still on the brake and on the gas at the same time. And that allows for a real smooth transition without upsetting the suspension. But in ruts, a lot of times we'll drag the front brake just a little bit to keep the forks compressed through the rut. And the reason we do that is because when the fork compresses the front end of the bike comes down and it um, steepens the rake angle and so it handles the rut easier through the turn because of steering and then as the the turn straightens up then there'll be a release of the front brake which a lot of times will help exit the rut if it's a you know a square edged exit or or it's kind of rough it's not a smooth ramp so there's a lot of stuff going on that you don't normally see when you're watching motocross.
0: So with ruts, are there different ways of approaching different kinds of ruts? I mean, ruts aren't aren't all going to fall into one category, I guess is what I'm saying.
1: Yeah. um, There's uh, some principles that we can talk about uh, that uh, apply to pretty much all ruts. And so let's start with them. Uh, when When you're approaching a rut, you need to scrub off whatever speed you need to before you get to the rut. In other words, um, the idea is that by the time you get to the rut, you're ready to go under power again so that you're pulling through the rut with power at all times. The other thing is that you need to line up your rut entry so that both wheels are entering uh, the rut, that you don't wanna get in a situation where you're you know, coming at it at an angle where the front wheel will go in and the rear wheel will miss. Um, I mean, chances are the rear wheel is going to follow the front and it'll drop down into the rut. But uh, it's kind of tough sometimes to make a a correction. So try to make your correction before you enter the rut so that both wheels uh, go at the same time. Now, at this point, I should make a a, drop a little footnote about rear wheel cheating. Um, On a two wheel motorcycle, the rear wheel does not follow the front wheel in slow speed turns. Okay. Now, what did I just say? What does that mean? Um, You're describing the arc of the turn with the front wheel being the outside, really, and the back wheel being the inside. Exactly. It's called cheating, and it's the same thing that, you know, you go into a truck stop and you watch these big, uh, you know, 40, 50-foot long trailers. Uh, They're not tracking the same line as the tractor did, but cheating to the inside. Well, motorcycles do the exact same thing at slow speed. And it's it's kind of fun if you have a flat surface where you can leave a tire track. Uh, just ride an easy 20-meter circle. Come all the way around 360 and stop. Turn the engine off, put it on the side stand, and go look at your tire tracks. And you'd be surprised how much the rear wheel would cheat to the inside of the front wheel. Now, it's really important if you're just riding off-road where – Maybe you're going between two rocks and you place the front wheel and, you know, you think you're home free and then all of a sudden, bam, you know, it's like, what happened? Well, the rear wheel hit the rock because it cheated to the inside. So you got to steer for two wheels at slow speed. But better yet, if you can make all your corrections before you get to the rut so that your bike is in line, then both wheels are going to enter the rut cleanly and smoothly, which is the one of the real keys to success with ruts. Okay, so
0: as a rule of thumb, now we talked about just getting into the rut, are we standing or sitting?
1: Well, okay, it it sort of depends on what you're doing with the rut. Let's start with uh, crossing ruts, okay? Okay. So um, when you're crossing a rut, it's uh, better to be in a neutral standing position. Uh, I think in one of our prior episodes, I covered this. uh, I call that the scout position where you're um, basically over the foot pegs and your knees are slightly bent, uh, you know, elbows are up, you're looking through the rut and you're you're on the balls of your feet um, and and you're just loose and not tense, you're ready to go. You uh, approach the rut as much, as close to 90 degrees as possible. Um, You can get away with uh, up to 60 degrees uh, without too much trouble. But when you come in a rut, like at a 45, uh, a lot of weird things are gonna happen with the front tire if it doesn't clear the rut, uh, or the rear tire if it sinks down into the rut. Uh, The idea is that if I can get the front wheel over the rut uh, in the air, uh, I'm gonna cross that rut just as nicely and smoothly as possible. So I wanna have some power. how I apply that power uh, kind of depends on the train. A lot of times uh, I like can desert racing. We're we're just going really fast, and uh, we're just skim over the top of the rut. And it's it's pretty amazing. Uh, I've crossed ruts that were really gullies. You know, they're like sand washes where you just you just sail across and just keep going and never look back. But uh, on a lot of these smaller ones, or if you're on a bigger adventure bike. There's a little bit more to it. Um, You want to have power. And the kind of power you want to have is to blip the throttle to try to pick up the front wheel a little bit and loft it over the rut. Now, sometimes you got to do a little assist. Uh, Sometimes we use something called the trounce. That's where you're on the bike and you kind of push down through the foot pegs with your body weight and try to load the bike or push the bike into the dirt. And then as the springs are rebounding, you'll blip the throttle and take the front wheel across the, the rut. Uh, a lot of times, uh, uh, depending on how good you are, how much practice you've done, you'll blip the throttle and, and pop the clutch at the same time and that'll bring the front wheel up and over. So you got basically three different ways. You come across with your inherent speed, you. Compress the suspension and blip the throttle, or you blip the throttle and use the clutch. So those are the front wheel over the rut. Now, once the front wheel clears the rut, you've got to chop the throttle just as fast as you can. Now, the reason you do that is the rear wheel's probably going to drop down into the rut a little bit, and it'll offload, and the rear wheel will start spinning if it's under power. When it hits the far side of the road, it'll uh, often catch traction, and it'll tend to want to kick up a little bit into what's called a butt slapper. Now, butt slappers can just give you a nice little slap back there, or they can be really aggressive. They can slap you in the butt and throw you over the handlebars. So the idea is get the front wheel across, chop the throttle before the rear wheel hits. As soon as you cross it, then back on the power and keep going.
0: And you're talking some fair-sized ruts when you're talking about that, not, not little tiny
1: ruts. Exactly. Uh, you know, it's hard to add dimension to the ruts, but uh, basically if, if the wheel will go down into the rut, you know, close to axle deep, uh, that's something you got to manage. Um, it's going to be really hard to roll through that rut because once you get the front wheel down in, a lot of times it'll stop. Uh, a lot of times, uh, the rear wheel will get stuck down in there and how you got to push it out. So the idea is to get over this rut with a combination of power and timing.
0: So that's probably our easiest dealing with ruts coming to them at a right angle. Everything's beautiful. We can power across them. Um, What about the angles? Because you mentioned, I mean, I think anyone who has ever tried to cross a log or anything understands that anything at an angle uh, to the front wheel is something to pay attention to. Something that's going to or potentially can cause you problems.
1: Yeah. uh, Oh, you know how sometimes you'll come to a construction zone and they've laid down uh, uh, one side of pavement and the other side has not been paved yet. And so there's a 90 degree lip. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, let's kind of visualize that for a minute as if it was a sidewall to a rut. So if I come at that lip from the top going down at a 45-degree angle, um, the right rear part of my tire is going to hit that lip as it comes down, and it's going to tend to turn the front wheel into the lip. Now, right. let's think about that think about that for a minute did that come across to you yeah
0: I th- you're talking running pretty much parallel with the ridge that you're you're dropping off of
1: exactly and that's exactly what happens um, with a rut uh, you know except it's got two sides so you you can come at it from the left or to the right side and if you drop down in it uh, at a you know less than a 60 degree angle or so you're gonna feel the rear wheel, turn out from under you as the rear sidewall, left or right, uh, comes across down into the the rut. So if you can avoid that by coming at the rut by less than a 60 or no, more than a 60 uh, or perfectly at a 90 degree, then it's going to be a heck of a lot easier for you.
0: We're going to take just a quick break to thank a couple of sponsors that help make this episode possible. Um, and when we come back, we're going to talk about dealing with that lip that you find often in construction zones or on the side of the road. You know, when you're, you're riding along, you have to get off the asphalt and then back on. Stay with us. we got more coming up. when you're talking about riding ruts like we're dealing with on today's episode you need control foot control i'm talking standing and when you're standing there's nothing more important than your foot pegs and let's face it they're your connection to the bike but they're also your leverage and if you're running stock pegs well you're just missing out on that added leverage and control that you're going to get with ims products foot pegs ims products has been part of the motorcycle industry since 1976 and they have a complete line of foot pegs really from mild to wild. I've been using the IMS pegs for quite a number of miles and, and even more adventures. <laughs> and, and I actually, I, I just totally love them. I really do. They, they've really changed my ride. Cast certified seventeen four stainless steel, certified heat treating. They're made in the USA. They're warrantied for life. I mean, I don't know how you could ask for more. They're designed and torture tested by riders for riders. Drop by their website, www.imsproducts.com. Have a look at their full line. I mean, they've got Anything you want in foot pegs. I think they've covered it all with their designs. That's www.imsproducts.com. And do us a favor. When you're talking to them, drop our name. Tell them you heard them here on Adventure Rider Radio. www.imsproducts.com. Women riders, listen up. Or if you know a woman, then you should pass this message on. MotoBird Adventures is all about women riders. It's what they do. Motorcycle tours for women by a woman. And the main woman behind MotoBird is Carrie Doherty. Carrie is really passionate about motorcycling. She's a certified instructor. She teaches regularly. She's also certified in first aid and CPR. She speaks Spanish, writes for magazines. I mean, she's obviously very busy and very passionate about motorcycling, which I think is really important when you're looking at something like this. But the tours that Carrie does are designed specifically for women. And Carrie's done her her share of long-distance traveling and she's got a ton of places that she likes, uh, you know, those Little hiding spots, I guess, that we all discover only when you've spent the time to get out there and do things. But she takes the people on her tours to these spots. She shares them with them, which I think is very cool. Coming up this summer, Motorbird Adventures uh, has a tour uh, called the California Lost Coast dual sport motorcycle tour and they're staying in hotels and a cabin on that trip that's in august she also has trips scheduled for september october january more that's on top of the instruction she does drop by the website and have a look www.motobirdadventures.com and have a look at the trip she does and spread the word around and make sure when you do anytime you're dealing with her mention that you heard her here on adventure rider radio that's www.motobirdadventures.com Yeah, that's one of those ones you run across, you know, exactly what you're saying, construction zones where you have, where they're running you from one side of the road to the other. You know, summertime, we run into it all the time and you have to cross that lip. Um, that can be very problematic. And sometimes you're dictated with your direction, really with the way they're telling you to go along on the road. Are you suggesting at that point we make some sort of minor correction so that we, we approach it at a steeper angle?
1: Yeah, uh, just get to the far... Uh, side of the lane uh, as far as you can away from that lip and then when you're going to cross that lip just make as tight a turn to the lip as you can and approach it with the least amount of angle possible and the reality is that lip is like one side of a rut it's the same exact dynamics and physics uh, same everything's good. that happens there is going to happen to you in a rut
0: so now that we're we're talking about this example because it's perfect, now you've got to get back up onto the pavement. How do we approach yep. that?
1: Um, <laughs> well, the same, same sort of thing. Uh, you know, on a big adventure bike, uh, depending on the height of that lip, uh, sometimes there's a pretty good hit, and you sure don't want to take a chance on denting a rim or flattening a rim. So, um, you know, ideally your air pressures are up to protect your rims. Um, uh, the idea is, you know we were just talking about using the throttle to lift the front end a little bit. Uh, same thing. If you can approach the the lip with uh, as close to a ninety as possible, which in a traffic situation isn't going to happen. But uh, just before you get to that lip, just you know you blip the throttle and try to pick up the front end and you get back a little bit. Um, it's going to make your front end lighter and make it come up up on the top a lot easier. Uh, And if you've practiced and you feel confident, you can add a little clutch to that, you know, almost like a little wheelie. Uh, I'm not sure that in a traffic situation I'd use the (laughs) front front brake unless, uh, you know, you really knew what you were doing. But in that situation, I'd stay on the gas and then uh, basically apply the front brake and release it at just the right time while I was on the gas. But again, that's a pretty advanced move, so don't try this at home. And But if we're in the neutral position,
0: um, which is standing on the balls of our feet on our pegs, we can also do a bit of a weight shift. Exactly, the the, the trounce. Right. Yeah. Okay, so... Now we're we're looking at what what different style rut than that. That would, I think that's an excellent excellent example because even if you're a street rider, you're going to have to deal with that at one point.
1: Yeah, it's only a question of time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, might might as well start thinking about that in your training too. And uh, we'll end with some training tips, and we'll come back to this.
0: Okay, so we've crossed them. We, we talked about the lip on the road, which, as you said, is essentially a rut. What other th- sort of uh, ruts or what, what different rut could we run into?
1: Well, we, we're crossing them. Uh, let's talk about uh, riding a long, straight rut. Okay. If, if you are tight, if you are holding on to the handlebars with a death grip because you're so nervous, uh, you, you aren't going to enjoy them. Yeah, and it's going to, your workload is going to be four and five times as much. And you're going to be sweating and stopping a lot and maybe even crashing a lot. So you've got to do some practice. Uh, you got to be able to uh, learn to relax and to try to keep your hands soft and let the rut kind of steer your motorcycle for you. You know, if you're one of these people that have to be 110% in control, uh, and, uh, you know, have that front wheel go exactly where you point it, uh, it's going to be tough. You're going to have to give up a little bit of that control to the rut and uh, realize that it's actually not that tough uh, once you get used to it. So um, neutral scalp position uh, over the pegs uh, or slightly back if you've got a nose-heavy bike. Um, And uh, ideally, you're on the balls of your feet, um, you know, not uh, just in front of the heel or, God forbid, on the heel. And uh, the balls of the feet allow your ankles to flex up and down a little bit so you can use your lower leg muscles to make the ride a little softer and a little easier. Your uh, toes are up uh, and out of the way. I mean, if it's a deep rut, you got to start thinking about, you know, dragging your toes. Uh, your eyes are up and you're looking ahead. And you're exhaling any tension out of your body. The idea is that um, if you have this technique to get rid of the tension, you don't have to carry it with you. And so we try to relax with every exhale. So keep that core a little bit tense, a little tight. Not not a death grip. It's just a little tension on our core. And then relax with the exhale. It's going to make a big difference as far as your body goes. The idea is, uh, like I said earlier, to enter the rut with both wheels and to be prepared uh, for the wheels to kind of drag against the sidewalls. And that's going to slow you down, so you've got to keep your power on, and it's going to steer the bike a little bit for you. Uh, that's okay. If you'll relax a little bit, if it goes off to the right, it's only a question of time before it comes back to the left. Um, so your steering is maybe about 90% of what it normally is and let the rut do about 10%. Uh, let's see what else. Um, just remember that wherever the front wheel goes in a rut, the rear wheel is going to follow and that, uh, it's easy to stall a bike in the rut because, um, the rear wheel is going to be dragging against the sidewall of the rut. So you've got to stay on the power to get that torque and the gyroscopic precession, that stabilizing influence of the flywheel spinning. So smooth and steady. And occasionally, if you need it, a left-hand speed control, try not to roll the gas off and on. Now, uh, as far as how much power and how much speed, you can vary that. So if if you're not a real confident rut rider, you don't need to be going that fast um, you may take longer to get where you're going but that's okay you want just as much power to overcome the sidewalls of the rut and keep moving forward uh, but please try not to roll the gas off and on off and on and try not to coast um, coasting is not your friend in a rut uh, occasionally it's okay to dab in other words if you're standing up on the pegs and you S- slightly get off balance uh, if you're going relatively slow you need to put your boot down and kind of catch yourself well that's okay and uh, worst case scenario if for some reason you got to slow way down it's okay to sit down and uh, to paddle now you're not going to make much ground or much time paddling that's for sure but if you got a rough spot or there's rocks in the bottom or something's going on that Makes one section a little worse. Well, if you're going to sit down, you might as well, assuming traffic allows, sit there and take a break. You know, and if you have to, grab a drink of water, whatever, and do a little mini recovery. And get the bike started again and paddle on out of there until you can get back up on the pegs. Uh, but the idea is let the bike do the work. If you're trying to manhandle it or womanhandle it, and you're trying to force it around You are not going to last very long. And, you know, let the bike do the job it was designed to do. Are there common mistakes that people make in
0: ruts that that end up making it more difficult than it ought to be?
1: Number one is they look down. If you're looking in front of your front wheel, um, you know, chances are you're going to have a really hard time. We use in racing a technique uh, called hard eye, soft eye where the center part of our eye is called foveal vision, and we'll keep that up, and we're looking down uh, the the road, we're looking down the rut, just to kind of see what's up ahead and see what options we have. At the same time, we're using the side of our eye, the peripheral vision, to kind of pick up information about what's going on around the motorcycle. So if, if you can start thinking about you know, how you see and what kind of sight patterns you have, chances are you're gonna keep your head up a lot easier. So getting your head down is the number one problem. Number two is rolling off and on the gas. Whatever you do, keep your gas as steady as you possibly can.
0: Okay, because we're compressing and releasing the suspension as we do that. And dragging the sidewalls sometimes. Okay. So what happens when the rear wheel does catch and wants to force the bike over? Uh, is there any method for recovering from that?
1: Uh, well, uh, again, it depends on the kind of bike that you're you're dealing with. Uh, it is possible to trounce a dirt bike up and out of a rut um, or to, if you have to, to do kind of a recovery back into the rut. But on a big adventure bike, uh, chances are it's not going to be very effective. So a lot of times uh, you'll end up just coming to a complete stop you know, take a deep breath, ah, what's going on, figure it out, look at where your wheels are, and maybe uh, all you got to do is just rotate the bike back up to vertical and you're ready to get back on and go. Uh, if one wheel is uh, up out of the rut, it's a heck of a lot easier to drag that uh, the high wheel back down into the rut uh, and keep going. But there are times where you end up having to leverage the bike on the foot peg or maybe even uh, the crash bar on a cylinder head to get both wheels out of the rut and try to pick it up. But uh, quite frankly, on an adventure bike, if you have a choice uh, between riding a rut and staying out of the ruts, stay out of the ruts. Uh, trouble is that on a lot of these back roads, they're you know, single lane, double lane, and the only choice you have is right in the center and it's crowned. Uh, so it's, it tends to roll you back down either into the right or the left rut. So uh, you, know, you might as well learn to to deal with the ruts and and uh, keep going. Okay, so here's one for you. you.
0: You're in the rut. Now you come up to a, a hole that looks like it's too much. You don't want to put your bike through that. You want to get out of the rut. How do you get the big adventure bike out of the rut?
1: Uh, that's where you... Hopefully you got a passenger or a couple of buddies <laughs> uh, and uh, you can say, all right, over here, it's time to uh, go to work. And, uh, but, uh, you know, there are a lot of times where you've got to spin it over on its side onto the foot peg uh, or onto its crash bars and spin the bike around and it's just basically manhandling the bike. Um, some people will uh, literally carry ropes and, and block and tackle. You know, where they'll lash onto a tree and, and pull a bike around. You know, I've even seen um, as some of the folks carrying uh, 12-volt winches, mm-hmm. uh, you know, for the big, heavy, heavy bikes. But, um, you know, if you can keep your eyes up and looking way ahead, you might be able to see situations like that quite a ways in advance and start looking for options before you get there and are stuck. And you know, that's one of the real ad- advantages of keeping your eyes up and your head up. Now, what about curved ruts? Okay, well, um, we'll move on to a, which in a, on a, in a racing environment uh, is a real race tool. I mean, you can really hammer the ruts. It's a, a, a wonderful traction device. But uh, on an adventure bike, not so much. So, a couple of things to think about. Same way with a straight rut is uh, uh, you want to keep your eyes up to rut entry, and you want to try to get both wheels into the rut at the same time. Now, for a curved rut, a lot of times we'll use a standing to seated approach. Uh, So, we're standing up and we're scruffing off our speed before we get to the rut so that as soon as we're in the rut, we can be back on the gas. Um, we're trying not to, to coast. And uh, you'll notice that when you do come into ruts like that that are curved, a lot of times they'll be not flat. They'll be uh, washboard. And that's because um, when people are approaching the rut, they're on the brakes and so it tends to create this washboard effect in the rut. Uh, once we're uh, in our seated position, uh, our butt is forward and we're trying to get it up close to the gas tank as much as possible to weight the rear wheel, keep it down in the rut. And uh, our inside leg, depending on the depth of the of rut is generally up and forward. And we're trying to point our toes. Now with um, an adventure bike, you're probably not going to be in this motocross position, but there's nothing wrong with it. It, it works. You know, if you practice and you're strong enough to get your boot out there, but uh, you do need to be thinking about leaning over and dragging uh, either a lever or a foot peg or even a cylinder head. You know, those are the kinds of things that the depth of the rut are going to affect. Um, your body is not leaning in. Compared to your bike, or not leaning out compared to your bike. Your bike, your body, and your bike are even in one straight line. You're right up over the bike. Um, you're trying to be what I call a neutral rider. So your head and shoulders and body are in line with your motorcycle. Now, the faster you go through a curved rut, the more lean angle you have to have. And so the more you lean the bike over, the more you got to start thinking about ground clearance. And uh, because the more speed, the more lean. So ultimately, the amount of speed through a curved rut is going to be controlled by, you know, what starts scraping. And it's just kind of like on on the road. Uh, Once you're in the rut, a curved rut, uh, again, you have to avoid oversteering. Uh, you know, if you start feeling that sidewall deflection and the handlebars are going um, back and forth like in the sand, you've, you've got to just let it go a little bit. You've got to be disciplined enough or trained enough or confident enough or practiced enough to let the bars work a little bit. So you've got to stay loose. Um, and just remember that the back wheel is going to go where the front wheel goes and the front wheel is going to go where the wreck goes. So uh, you're, you're doing all right. Just think it through, get that picture and exhale that tension out and stay loose. Uh, smooth and steady on the gas. Do not roll the the throttle up and down, up and down. It, it just upsets all the suspension. It changes the traction in the rut. Uh, it just makes life a lot more difficult. So smooth and steady. And if you need to, Uh, left hand speed control friction zone and again if you're in a single plate dry clutch assuming you're not in a right hand curved rut where you can't get your butt boot to the rear brake pedal you know sometimes it's okay to drag your rear brake but remember that that throttle stabilizes the bike gives you the slow speed pulling power the torque And it spins those crankshaft flywheels so that you get precession to be able to stabilize the bike. So all these things that I covered pretty fast will get you through the rut under power with a smile. But it takes practice. So if the first time you ever try it is on your first adventure trip, you're not going to have fun. You need to get prepared before you go. And that's just sort of the nature of the beast. Just
0: a reminder, that when you're saying left-hand speed control, you're talking about slipping the clutch. Yes, friction zone. Yeah. If you could sort of do the recap as the most important thoughts, what are the most important thoughts, the most important things to keep in mind as we're dealing with ruts? And, and, I mean, let's refer mainly to, I guess, dealing with road ruts, riding along with them.
1: Okay. um, Let's start uh, crossing the ruts uh, just remember that there's three main parts, the uh, body position, your your approach and, and the rut itself, and then the exit. So uh, neutral scalp position, standing position over the pegs, slightly back, eyes up, looking ahead, look past the rut, and stay loose. Try not to tense up. Uh, approach the rut uh, at 60 degrees or tighter, uh, 90 degrees would be perfect. No sharp turns into the rut. And uh, keep your eyes up past the rut. Don't look down into it. Then uh, use your throttle to lift the front wheel uh, and your body uh, with that thing called the trounce. Uh, Pop the clutch if you have to. Um, And then just as the front wheel clears, chop the throttle before the rear wheel catches traction on the other side and comes up into a butt slapper. And then... um, Basically, uh, keep your eyes up and on the power and ride away. That's crossing a rut. Okay. Uh, straight ruts. Uh, same thing, uh, standing neutral position. Um, try to line both wheels up so it enters the rut evenly and cleanly. Uh, avoid oversteering. You know, try to keep your hands soft and uh, exhale that uh, tension. Uh, stay on the gas, smooth and steady. Uh, Use that friction zone, left-hand speed control if you have to. Uh, It's okay to dab once in a while, but try to get back up on the pegs. But if it's too tough, too rough, too something, it's okay to sit down. And if you have to, paddle. It's ugly, but (laughs) it works. It'll get you through a gym. (laughs) Yeah, and it's a lot of work. Mm -hmm. Uh, And if you get get stuck, just stop, take a breath, check out the situation, and then... uh, you know, try to let the bike do the work. You know, try to figure out how to use the engine and your left-hand speed control, that friction zone to get yourself going in the rut again. Um, Let's see, riding curved ruts, uh, same thing with uh, good entry, eyes up, both wheels into the rut at the same time. Um, Scrub off your speed before the rut so that in the rut you can stay on the power. And um, if you find yourself that you're, Uh, Crawling up out of the rut, you're either going too fast for the rut or you don't have enough lean angle. Um, As far as body position in the rut, um, you are neutral uh, up over the bike. You're not leaning away from the bike either direction. And so the bike uh, lean angle is going to be determined by your speed. Uh, Your butt's going to be forward up next to the gas tank. Your inside leg is up and out for ground clearance. Try to point your toe as much as your boot will let you. Um, Let's see. Avoid oversteering uh, and keep a gas steady and keep looking all the way around the rut. Try not to look in front of the front wheel, but keep your head up and look through the turn. And that's pretty much the recap.
0: Now, the one thing that we didn't emphasize, and I think is always worth it, is why we're standing. Why aren't we sitting? I, I know you said you can sit and you can paddle through it, but the ideal position is the neutral standing position. Um, and what advantage does that give us?
1: Well, first of all, uh, you're able to weight uh, your foot pegs individually. Uh, if I weight my right foot, like the bike tends to go to my right, and vice versa. If I weight my left foot peg, uh, it tends to go to the left, and Part of that's the shape of the tires, part of it's steering geometry. If, if I can wait, uh, turn the bike a little bit with my foot pegs, I don't have to turn my front wheel in the rut. That's a, a big, big plus. The other thing is that when I'm standing on the foot pegs, I can engage a lot more of my lower body muscles to absorb uh, bump energy. So I get a lot smoother ride and if I'm not bouncing around as much on the bike, then the bike is smoother also. It allows the suspension to to do what it was designed to do. So uh, enhanced steering and a better quality of ride are two big reasons. The other thing is uh, if I'm standing up, I can see a lot further down the trail. Mm. You know, we, we've talked about the,
0: the standing and why we stand before, but I think it's always worth bringing up because one, one of the things that I always think of when, when we talk about this sort of thing is when you're sitting down, you tend to be reactive rather than proactive. You, you Your body reacts to the what the bike does, um, and then you have to react rather than, like you said, standing there and doing your weight transfer, which is what we should be doing to, to keep the, the maximum traction.
1: Yeah, Um Not only are we uh, have a reduced range of motion, but uh, quite frankly, in a lot of ways, we've basically given up 50% of our tools. Um, You know, our body is a a wonderful way of helping to influence what the bike's doing. And if I'm standing up on the foot pegs, I can use my lower body much more efficiently than if I'm sitting down. Now, I'm I'm referring mostly to off-road riding. Uh, But the reality of it is I'm in a much more athletic position than when I'm sitting on my butt. Okay, so how about an exercise then? Well, a couple of things that uh, um, might be worth thinking about. Uh, If you don't know how to loft the front wheel of your motorcycle, that's a really good thing to put down on your to-do list. Now, when I say loft, I'm talking about picking the front wheel up off the ground. And the best place to learn to do that's on a flat. Don't don't start out in the ruts. And if you uh, have to, uh, you know, just uh, take a can of spray paint or whatever and draw a line on on the ground or put down some chalk or something, and uh, just approach it at a 90 degree angle and see if you can pick that front wheel up over and not touch that line. And uh, you would do that with proper throttle uh, timing. It'd blip the throttle and let the engine try to pick the front wheel up and over. Uh, again, we could practice with the trounce, uh, you know, weighting the foot pegs and down through the handlebars and, and using that with the throttle. Uh, we could also use the front brake. Uh, while we're still on the gas, we pull a front brake in, compress the suspension uh, front forks, and then try to release the front forks just before the line. Or we could also pop the clutch a little bit just before the line. So there's four different tools there to get the front wheel over the line without touching it. And after you can do that consistently, then instead of a line, maybe you want to put on a little uh, log or a ground pole, you know, nothing big, and uh, start lofting the front wheel up over the pole. And for trail riding, uh, that's not a bad thing to do, but it's. Pretty much the same technique that you do use for crossing a rut as well. So just start getting used to be able to place the front wheel when you need to. And uh, it's gonna make a big difference as far as crossing ruts and eventually uh, getting out of ruts or um, perhaps dropping down into ruts. Uh, the next thing is um, think about the trounce itself. You know, play around a, a, when you're in a neutral, standing position you know just pushing down on the foot pegs and see what happens you know feel the suspension compressing a little bit and feeling it rebound you know you you watch the trials riders when they do a trounce they can almost pick the bike completely off the ground now they're only in a dealing with a you know a few hundred pounds or kilos Uh, But the reality is the technique is the same. It's only the result that's different because of the size of the bike. The third thing I'd I'd really emphasize practicing is that left-hand speed control, the friction zone. Um, A lot of times we get a little nervous when the throttle comes up and the noise comes up and we feel the vibration between our legs and it's kind of like the noise and the vibration – mentally and emotionally equate to speed. And so we immediately get tense to control this fast bike. Well, see if you can disconnect the emotions from the idea of speed because you're controlling ground speed with your left hand. So go ahead and bring those RPMs up. And then see if you can use that left hand, one or two fingers over there, and just go as slow as you can at a higher RPM. And get that true left-hand speed control down without your heart rate going up. It's, a, it's an important drill and, and one that's overlooked a lot. Uh, the worst thing that could possibly happen is something called being cross-rutted. Uh, and that's where you have two ruts that are side-by-side mm-hmm. parallel. And you've got the front wheel in one rut and the rear wheel in the other rut and um, especially when it's wet oh I mean there has been a lot of cuss words that have been learned and used in (laughs) this situation but um, quite frankly the best thing to do is stop drag the the bike up out of one of those ruts into the other out of both of them and start all over again cross rutting is a very dangerous situation Uh, it'll end up in a fall it's kind of like a high side fall on the on the street or the road race track, so um, be very, very, very aware of cross running.
0: And obviously, you know, you couldn't say enough about sending all of us out there to just practice.
1: Yeah, and and you don't have to go into those killer ruts that are, you know, uh, dragging the skid plate. And in the cases, you know, start small. And quite frankly, uh, if you're out riding sand a little bit, there's going to be ruts in the sand you know, go ahead and enjoy the, the sand and do the ruts, but start visualizing what if this wasn't sand? What if this was, uh, you know, a hard sidewall rut and uh, you're going to start to feel the same thing only to a lesser degree. So riding in sand is a great, uh, uh, preliminary to learning to ride ruts.
0: Coach Ramey, thank you very much.
1: Hey, it's been fun. I look forward to the next time. And Uh, All of you listeners out there, thanks for listening.
0: I've been speaking with Coach Ramey Stroud. You can find out more about what he does at his website, www.ridecoach.com. And, of course, that link is in the show notes. I just want to remind you that this episode was made possible for you today in part by Max BMW Motorcycles at www.maxbmw.com, Best Rest Products at www.cyclepump.com, Green Chili Adventure Gear at www.greenchiliadv.com, and Motobreeze Chain Oilers, www.motobreeze.com. set up for another episode of Adventure Rider Radio and we sure hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as we did making it. Special thanks to our producer Elizabeth Martin and of course to you, the listener, naturally it couldn't happen without you. Hey, if you like what we're doing and you want to help the show out, uh, it's built on a model of advertising and listener support to make the whole thing work and um, you can drop by our website www.adventureriderradio.com Click on the support buttons, a bunch of different ways to do it but you know what I like to, to think of with this sort of thing and it's, it's my personal thought process is supporting the thing you like directly. So, if you like the show, and think about how much you spend in a cup of coffee and the pleasure you get from that, and think of the pleasure you get from the show, and I don't know, come up with with something. If you if you're into it, you can do it. We would really appreciate it. We could certainly use it. Um, there's a bunch of different ways to do it. Anything $10 or more is going to get you a sticker sent back at you. Anything $50 or more gets you a mention on our raw show. And of course, we have our patron program where you can sign up for a, a monthly support payment where you you can put any amount down: a dollar, five dollars, ten dollars, whatever the case is, um, whatever you're into. We appreciate it. Anyway, now it's time to get out there and ride your bike. You can take what you've learned today and go ride some ruts. My name is Jim Martin. This is Adventure Rider Radio. See you next week. I'm Ben King, and you're listening to Adventure Rider Radio. <laughs>